You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Awesome. We had a great growth track this morning at our nine o'clock service, and Jaden will talk a little bit more about that later on. But here we are, Resurrection Sunday. Anyone excited? Come on, he is risen. Our King is risen. Jesus is risen. I, I want to read a passage of Scripture this morning, uh, and I pray that you would celebrate this with me as well. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 9. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Notice it was the woman. Come on, it was the woman. Can I get an amen there? They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has, come on, he has, he has what? He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. Would you pray with me this morning as we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, and that because of the cross and beyond the cross, we can have hope and life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us that you would send Jesus to die in our place, for the sins that we deserve, that you didn't count our sin against us. Instead, you made a sacrifice that would be worthy for all sin. Today, yesterday, tomorrow, and forever. Your sacrifice, Jesus, is why I'm here today, why many are here today. And we want to honor you. We want to thank you. We are so indebted to you. And Lord, the, the best way we can repay you is to surrender our own lives to you to serve you, to follow you as you would lead us. Amen. Amen. So today we gather on the most significant day of history, remembering the greatest story in history, celebrating the greatest man in history. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And while Jesus' birth was significant, his death and his resurrection is where the power lies. Many were born, but but none were raised to life. And could deliver the power of God as Jesus did. Everything I am is because of the significance of this moment. Who I am, my dreams, my hope, my future, my family. Everything hangs on the fact that Jesus didn't stay dead, buried in a tomb, but was raised to life and is alive today. I know when my world is falling down and there are people here today going through the most horrific things in your world, you say, well, I've got no hope. My life is filled with pain and and confusion and disappointment. But can I tell you that even in the middle of the greatest storms, we have Jesus with us, that we can walk through, we can navigate those stormy seas when we know that we have Jesus alongside us. You know, the cross is an interesting symbol that many will have it, uh, maybe on on, on a necklace or or even a tattoo or or, or something or on a T-shirt. The cross is something that is very interesting, and it's become a symbol, it's become a a statement, an icon, so to speak. But it's it's interesting that that actually the cross was a symbol of torture, right? It'd be kind of like wearing an electric chair around your neck, 
you know, or you know, a lethal injection or something like that. You know, it sounds a bit morbid, doesn't it? But that was the cross. The cross was one of the Romans' greatest inventions to, to inflict the greatest amount of torture and pain on a human being as possible. They were quite proud of their, their crucifixions. And this is what Jesus went through because he loved you, because he loved me. For those of us new to a life in Christ, or maybe you're asking questions, maybe you're saying, well, what's the church all about? What, what, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to follow after Jesus? You've probably got a lot of questions. That's right. That's normal. That's expected. And I'm hoping today that what I share will share a little bit of the significance of the cross and why the cross is so important in our faith as Christians. Let me address quickly a question that, that many have asked over the centuries. Was Jesus even a real person? Is he just a story tale? Is he, is he just a myth? Is he, is he just this fictitious character in history? Well, I want to put that myth to bed and, and just because Jesus was a historical figure that was accurately re- recorded and reported. Jesus was a human being. The question that many would have is, was he actually who he said he was? How, how do we know this? Well, the Jewish historian Flavius Josephus wrote about Jesus in 93 AD. He wrote about the fact that Jesus was, was crucified under the leadership of Pontius Pilate. Um, two, 20 years later, Roman politicians Pliny and uh, Tacitus, uh, who held some of the highest states of office in the political realm in the second century, wrote about Jesus' execution as well, with observations that lined up with the stories of the gospel. And in reality, neither of them liked Christians. They, 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 they really didn't like Christians. I mean, th- these are the words, Pliny, speaking of their pig-headed obstinacy. <laughs> Tacitus saying their religion was a destructive superstition. But neither of them denied his existence. They didn't say it was just a myth. There was never, in fact, there was never, ever any debate in history as to whether Jesus was a real person or not. He was historically in existence in that time frame in our history. The question is, when he was dead, was he raised to life? Was there a power in Jesus that is still significant for us today? And I want to share about the significance of Jesus raising, being raised to life. If you thought Jimmy Spittle's comeback seven years ago in the America's Cup was good, yeah. the term dead and buried, yeah, that's reserved for Jesus. He was dead and buried, but he was raised to life again. So this morning, I want to focus on seven statements that Jesus made on the cross that hold incredible significance for us today. You know, the pain and suffering that Jesus endured was horrific, and the words he chose, very, very specific, very intentional. And when you, when you listen to what he said and the, the words he spoke and how he treated people on the cross, for me, I, I would have been just trying to draw a breath under this incredible pain of torture. I would not have been thinking about anyone else. But on the cross, Jesus was thinking of you. He was thinking of me. And the words that we see here will show that Jesus was still all about his mission, even at the point of death. So my first truth today is that because he lives, because Jesus lives, we can be forgiven and forgive others. Luke 23, 
34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Here are these soldiers who were just crucifying another person. It was just, just a job for them. They're like, who's going to get the spoils of this guy? Who's going to get this cloth, this cloak? And they're rolling dice. They're casting lots. They're gambling over the person that they're just crucifying. And Jesus could see, he could sense that, that they had no idea what they were doing. And his response is, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. That same prayer is for us. Forgive us, because we don't know what we do. We don't know how we treat people sometimes. Sometimes we do, but sometimes we don't. We don't know that our response is the wrong response. And, and God offers ex, and ex, extends forgiveness to each of us as well. Anyone ever been uh, hurt before by somebody? Anyone you know, been offended, upset? Somebody said something that, that really hurt you in your heart? And, you know, anyone ever been physically hurt by somebody, abused by somebody? Deep pain that takes place when that happens. I don't know about you, but there's a swirling of emotion, this cloud of anger and frustration and disappointment. And we don't think right. We think thoughts of anger and revenge, and we, we think these thoughts of wanting to make retribution. When someone else has been wrong, we want to fight that battle for them, and we want to, we want to win that battle. And that, that, that's a human emotion that spills out when we're feeling pain. But Jesus, he extended forgiveness for those that had hurt him. I remember I went through a really difficult time in, in my leadership. I, I'd made some mistakes and I got, I got some things wrong and I was trying to work it all out and trying to lead as best I could. And in, in the middle of some of that, somebody that I, I loved dearly, somebody that I really believed in, betrayed me. You know, and it was, it was a really tough thing to go through, one of the, one of the hardest moments where I thought they were on my side and actually it just felt like they were working against me. And I don't put the blame on them. I think there were massive gaps in my leadership and things where, where, where I, I just got it wrong. But, but I'll tell you what, my emotions were all over the place. I'd, I'd go through the night hating them, didn't wish them to die, but at least boils are some kind of disease. You know? You know, that's the reality. I was angry. I was upset. And in those moments when I'm feeling that, and I know you guys are all perfect. You would never have those thoughts about somebody else. But, I know, but in that moment, I, I remember reading this passage. I remember reading about Jesus on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I had to make a conscious choice. I didn't have to. I chose to. I chose to. No one forced me to forgive. But I chose to because the power of God in my life allowed me because I've been forgiven to forgive someone else. Forgiveness, I believe, is one of the greatest miracles that can ever take place in a human being. When I can forgive someone else for some, something that's been wronged, I can just release them, I can pray for them, I can bless them. That is an incredibly powerful thing to do, releasing myself and releasing them from future judgment. I believe forgiving, forgiveness is extended by Jesus. He showed us, he molded it. He did it on the cross so that we could do it for others. The second thought this morning, and it leads right into it, because he lives, we can receive mercy. We can receive mercy. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Who was Jesus talking to? 
Jesus was talking to, to one of the thieves, one of the, the, the criminals that was being crucified next to him. Jesus was in the middle of these two convicts that, that they, they, were, they were ready to be crucified too. One of them starts mocking Jesus and says, hey, if you are the son of God, why don't you just come down? Jesus' response, you know, the other guy's response, he says, we are punished justly for what we are getting, what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. This criminal realized that Jesus was innocent. And so he says, hold on, hold on, we're getting what we deserve. This man is not. But because Jesus lives, we can receive that mercy because that is me. That's me. I deserve the punishment Jesus took. I deserve to die. Not him, but Jesus chose that, the death, so that I could have mercy. We don't deserve his mercy. We can't earn his mercy. But he willingly chooses to extend it to us with one condition, that we repent, which means we turn from our sin. We turn from our old way of living. Repent is, the, the literal translation is, is you're heading in one direction and you 180 degree, you turn and go the opposite direction. So I'm living life this way, I'm pursuing all of this life, and then I turn because I'm aware that there is another life, there is another pursuit, a choice to follow Jesus. And so I turn and I choose to follow Him. As John declared, announcing Jesus' arrival in, in, in Mark 1.15, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The good news, my friend, is God loves you. That our sin has separated us from God. There is no other way of getting to God except through Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross, became sin, so that we would experience and know the righteousness of God if we would choose to believe in him. The third truth this morning is that because he lives, we can find comfort and comfort others. When Jesus saw his mother there, this is John chapter 19, and the woman uh, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. I love the fact that Jesus is on the cross trying to draw his last breath, trying to just breathe this excruciating pain, and he's, he's, he's watching the crowd. He's looking down, he's going, oh, there's something that's not quite right. There's a relationship that needs to be established before I go. This was the heart of Jesus, our Savior, that we would find comfort with each other, do life together. Jesus just kind of set up a little small group from the cross. It's like, you two meet together. Come on, you, you, guys, you guys gather. You, know, you guys take care of each other because you need each other, right? I was talking to someone in the break saying, I need a small group. If I knew here to church, I said, I need it. I need it. I, my life depends on being connected with other people because if I don't have it, what have I got? See, we can find comfort and we can comfort others because he lives. I love the acrostic of the word joy. Jesus, others, yourself. Jesus first and focus Everything about Jesus, following him, pursuing him. Then we think about other people. We think about other people. We, we, we focus on serving and loving them. And, then, and then, then there's myself, yourself. And so often we can look at that and go, well, hold on. What about me? Right? 
selfishly we can think if I if I take if I, if my focus is on Jesus and then and then I'm focusing on other people, there'll be nothing left for me. Friends, it, it works the opposite way. You gotta understand that that when we pursue God, we pursue him with all of our righteous with, with, with all of our effort. We we pursue his kingdom, we go after everything he has for us. Guess what? We look after people, we care for people, we love people, we serve people, and everything that we need, the Bible says in Matthew 6.33, will be added to us. I've never had a lack in my life when my focus has been God first and people second. And when I take the focus off myself, I never have, I, I never have a lack. The moment I try to build a, a wall around my own kingdom, Come on, we all try to build our own little kingdom. We try and protect everything. We try to make sure that no, one, no one's going to get in and get our stuff. It's like, hold on, when I, when I open my life and live generously towards others, God has an incredible way of just bringing blessing to our lives, that we would have enough. And if we can live with enough, then everything extra that gets added, we get to bless and we get to pass on to other people. And I believe that's God's heart. That's why I'm so excited about dinner at Elam. It's happening in the third term. The amount of people that have come up in the, in the last few weeks saying, hey, I can't do this, but, but this is what I can offer. I'm like, that's exactly what we need as well. It's like everybody's coming up with all the ideas together. We're, we're, we're going to be able to reach out and truly love a community of people that are, let's be honest, there's, there's a lot of people that are lonely. A lot of people just needing a place to connect, a place to call home. And I'm so excited that we get to open up our doors and say, welcome. How am I? Come. Come and experience the love of God. The fourth thing we see, and it's the team come this morning. Because he lives, we don't have to be alone. Mark 15, 34, at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, Jesus went through the, the pain of separation. Went through the pain of separation from his father because he knew the pain that we feel. He knew what it feels like to be separated from a relationship. And he went through that because he's saying we don't have to go through that. We can have pain but not be separated from God. We can walk through trials and challenges and difficult moments and seasons. But know that Jesus is walking with us. Love that footsteps poem. I don't know if anyone's seen it. You've probably seen it you're around the place. There's two sets of footprints of God walking side by side with somebody. And then at one point, there's a moment where there's only one set of footprints. And at that point, the person asks the question, why did you abandon me? Why did you forsake me? Why did you leave me in that most difficult moment? And he says, I didn't leave you. I was carrying you through those moments. I believe that's what God does. We don't have to be forsaken. We don't have to be alone. See, my sin doesn't stop God from loving me. I, I can't perform to, to, to get Him to love me more. You know, I think we, we find ourselves in a really tricky place when we think that ticking boxes is what gets God's approval and favor. And trust me, I've ticked a lot of boxes over the years. Better attend church, better go to group, better do this, better go to youth group, gotta, you know, tick, 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 tick. Nothing feels any different because that's not what it's about. A relationship with Jesus is exactly that. 
it's, it's a daily, it's a, it's a decision of, of surrender, of love, of serving, of love. That's the heart of what relationship with Jesus is about. And guess what? The more and more I walk with Jesus, the less and less I do that stuff. I, I, I don't stop sinning, but I sin less. Because cause then, then, then my mind starts to think, when I do that, my sin separates me until I make things right with God again. But why would we live in this constant state of pulling away from God? But His grace, His mercy extends to everyone. But what about the hundredth time? Millionth? I mean, how many mistakes can a person make in a lifetime? I think if we, if we went for a record on all the mistakes we could make, I think if we got the record, Jesus would still say, I still choose you. I still love you. Nothing's changed in my heart for you. My death on the cross still mattered the, the millionth time as it did the first time. That's Jesus' heart for us, that we would not be separated. We wouldn't be alone. The fifth thought this morning, because he lives, we can be refreshed. You might choose another word, renewed, restored, find wholeness. John 19, 28, later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. I've always seen this and thought, well, if I was thirsty, I would not want wine vinegar to satisfy my thirst, right? Give me a glass of water or something. Maybe a Powerade, you know, replace some of those electrolytes. But, I mean, wine vinegar, really? And a lot of commentators, uh, Bible commentators, connect the story of the, the woman at the well with this moment where, where she was thirsty. And Jesus says, I'm thirsty. You know, give me a drink of water. And, and then he says, I'm going to give you water that, that actually you're never going to be thirsty again. And in her mind, she's going, well, hold on. How can you drink water once and that'll be enough and you'll never be thirsty ever again? So in the physical, she was thinking, how could one drink satisfy my thirst? But Jesus was talking about a satisfaction for the soul, that a living water that would, 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 would work within our soul and our system. Yes, we've got to drink H2O every day. It's good for your body. Two liters a day, it's good, right? But he was talking about a, 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 a no longer thirsting for the things of the world, but actually we, Jesus would be enough. He's saying, would you allow me to be enough? without the pursuit of everything else that the world wants us to go and pursue, that we would drink deep from the living water that He would offer to us. Because He lives, we can be refreshed. The sixth thought this morning is in the sixth statement Jesus made, because He lives, we stand in a place of victory. John 19.30, when He had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, He bowed His head and gave up his spirit. For me, these are some of the most comforting words in Scripture. When Jesus declared it is finished, you fill in the blanks. Pain, disappointment, regret, sorrow. It is finished. It is finished. Jesus is declaring that over your life today. Is somebody here today, Jesus is saying, it is finished. Finished. Your past 
Everything that you've said about yourself, everything you've believed about yourself, everything that others have said about you, it is finished. I am offering you life, new hope. Would you receive it? What do I do? How do I receive it? It's our third thought, or a final thought. Because He lives, we are in the hands of our loving Father. Jesus says, He called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When He had said this, He breathed His last. The last thing we need to understand, and this is what I want to invite some of us to do today, is He surrendered Himself. He surrendered His life into the hands of His Father. When we surrender, it's a place of vulnerability. Not many want to surrender. But everything that I give up, every bit of control that I have over my life, if I surrender that to God and I put it in His hands, just think about it for a moment. How good am I at relationships? Yeah, I don't know. Just okay. Put my relationships in God's hand? That's a whole lot better. (laughs) What about my money? What about my finances? Yeah, yeah, I do okay. Put my finances in God's hands? Wow. That's a much better budgeting system, I believe. (laughs) Much better return than, than in my hands. Come on, what about eternity? If I try and control that, take care of that myself, be a good person, you know, tick all the boxes, how am I going with that? Not so well. But when I surrender my life, my eternity, my salvation, when I surrender all of that, the hope of my future into God's hands, as Jesus did, into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. Today, as as your heart posture, one of, I'm going to put my barriers around my life and all of these different things. I'm going to hold on tightly because I feel like if I let go, it's all going to unravel. Or is it? A posture that says, my hands and my heart is open, God. God, into your hands, I I commit my spirit, commit my relationships. I, I commit my future, my career, my finances, my dreams for a home, my dreams for a relationship. Into your hands, I commit all of those things. But the greatest, the most important thing that Jesus is wanting us to commit and surrender is our spirit. See, we're body, soul, spirit. The spirit is what will live on. Our bodies will go to the grave, burn to dust, eaten by maggots. Yeah, it's the reality of our bodies. <laughs> our soul, our desires, our thoughts, our emotions, all of those things. Once we're gone, we're gone. But our spirit, our spirit lives on forever. And there is a promise of eternity. See, Jesus with confidence could say, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And then he just breathed his last. He'd done his job, done everything he'd been asked to do. Today, would you surrender your spirit into the hands of a loving father? Accept the sacrifice of a savior who paid the price for sin that we deserve to pay for. But he says, no, 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 that's on me. That's sin. That's on me. He who was without sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God.
friends, what do you need to do? Surrender. Say, God, I, I'm, I'm done trying to live life my own way, my terms. God, I believe that you could lead my life better than I can lead it myself. And so because of that, I'm now going to surrender. And the surrender is a repentance. I talked about it. Turning from an old way of living, saying, God, forgive me for the sin that's grieved your heart. Forgive me for living life my own way, by my own terms. I now choose to follow you. That act of surrender, that receiving the gift of God's grace and His mercy, you receive the gift of eternal life. You receive salvation. I believe some people want to do that today, need to do that today. As I pray this prayer with every head bowed, every eye closed, I invite you, friends, to pray this prayer with me. This is a moment between you and God. Would you honor Him by giving Him your attention in this moment? And maybe God's asking you to surrender your life to Him today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I commit my life into your hands. Please forgive me for my sin that put you on the cross. I turn from my old way of living and I choose to follow you, Jesus. I surrender my life into your hands. I give you full control to lead and guide me I do this willingly in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, and I believe there's people here today, maybe you prayed that prayer when you were younger, but, but if you're honest with yourself, you're not living your life with God as, as, as you were in the past. And God's saying, I, I heard that prayer, and there was something about that prayer. There's a change, there's a shift Maybe you've returned back to him today with this prayer. Right across this place, with every head bowed, eye closed, on the count of three, would you lift your hand and say, that was me, I prayed that prayer. I'm going to connect with you after the service. I'll acknowledge your hand. You can pop it down. One, God loves you. Two, he's forgiven your sin today. Three, would you raise your hand right now? See that lady at the back. Praise God. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Anyone else this morning saying, yes, I prayed that prayer. For the first time, returning to God. Anyone else? Anyone else this morning? just want to give it a moment. I really believe that there are some people that have responded. And maybe your heart's kind of beating a little bit. And I, I understand that. But would you respond today? Say, yes, I prayed that prayer. Anyone else this morning? Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Fano, why don't we celebrate what God has done this morning. Lives coming back to you. Praise God. Is there anyone else this morning? Come on, come on, let's give Him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation in this house. Thank you for a new start, a fresh beginning, a new creation. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.